Hey everybody, Aaron Smith here. I'm excited to be bringing you this message on Independence Day 2021, America. Did you know that you were created by God and for God? This is a message about being truly dependent on Jesus, about coming back to a place where we're fully dependent on God and truly independent no more. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it strengthens your faith and encourages you. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Can you give one more hand to our worship team? Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, team. We're also thankful for our worship team. So good. I thought we were going to stay on that clapper on the drums. Y'all hear that clapper this morning? Some powerful sound in that. Um, Happy Fourth of July, everyone. We want to welcome you to service. For those of you who came, you're not out partying. You came to church. I like it. And uh, hey, before Aaron comes up, uh, I want to do something. I want to pray for our nation. It's our nation's birthday, and um, I am proud to be an American. I wanted to tell you a little story. This is a funny story, uh, but hopefully you'll like it. Um, some of you know I, was, I served in the Navy. I was in the Navy for six years, and uh, in boot camp... In boot camp, you know, they play, they play mind tricks with you. You know, for anybody who's been in, you know what they do. And uh, they played two songs my entire time in boot camp. The first one, they lined us up about three weeks in, in, our, in our, where we stayed, in our hall. And uh, so you're just standing at attention. You're looking across, you know, and you're missing your family by this time. And, you know, they're playing mind tricks. Like, boot camp is the worst, you know, looking back. At the time, looking back, it's not that bad. But in the middle of it, you're like, oh, what did I do in my life? And I remember standing there at attention, and they're yelling at us. And over the loudspeaker, they're playing. Uh, it was the. It was 1998, so the big movie then was Armageddon. What was the What was the song from Armageddon? I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to close my eyes because I miss you. And they were so they were they're blaring this song over the loudspeaker. They're sitting right in the middle of us eating fried chicken, and they're yelling at us, saying, "I bet you miss your girlfriend right now, don't you?" I bet you miss those, those family members, don't you? And you're just sitting there, you're bawling. You're just like, <laughs> and you're looking across at somebody bawling, looking at you. You're, so you just can't help it. You're like, <laughs> and so, so many emotions within a song. But the other song that they played was after we finished the last week, uh, we stayed up like 36 hours just doing, it's like the final test before you graduate. And, um, and so you're tired, you're super tired. You want to just go to sleep, you're ready to graduate. And the last song they play, the whole time, well, let me give you a backstory. The whole time you're in boot camp, you wear a hat, and on the hat it says recruit. And then before you graduate, they change your hat. And at the ceremony, after you stayed up for 36 hours doing all these, this test, they change your hat, and they walk up to you, and over the loudspeaker, they're playing, and I'm proud to be an American, where at least... And so you're just standing there, the same, same emotions... You just stand there, and so they come up to you, and they take off your hat, and it's finally where they don't call you recruit. The whole time they've been calling you this name, and so they place a different identity on your head, and they play this song, and so I just remember in that moment, I just remember thinking, I really am proud to be an American. So on this nation's birthday, I want to pray for our nation. So if you want to stand, if you want to sit, why don't we all stand in honor of our nation? So Father, we thank you that we live in this great nation. I thank you, Lord, that, um, that you have given us freedom. 
that you've given us freedom. Just as someone was birthed into having a father, that you gave them that father as a representation of you. And I thank you that you gave us this nation as a representation of freedom with you. And so, Father, I thank you that you've given us freedoms in this nation. And can you just pray out loud with me and just bless our nation? Just begin to bless our nation. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bless our nation. I bless my nation, the nation that I was born into. I bless my nation, the United States of America. I pray for President Biden right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you've placed him in authority for this season. And I call him blessed. I call our season, I call our seasons blessed. And so, Father, I just, I just pray for every leader in our nation. I pray for every representative, every senator. So, Father, we thank you for every, all the way down from a national level to a state level to a city, local government. We call our nation blessed, and we thank you. All of us say thank you, Lord, for placing us here for this season and this time. We call our nation blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. And you can have a seat. And I'm proud to be an American. Aaron, come on up. Y'all ready to receive the word today? Y'all give it up for Aaron Smith. Thank you, thank you. Y'all are making me feel loved this morning. Give me grace while I get my notes up. Uh, Peter Lewis is in the house, and when he preaches, he just opens up his Bible and, and shoots from the hip, and it's fire. And I'm not on that level yet, so I got to get, get my notes up. Um, let's pray one more time. Can we put your hands out in front of you? Um, we love prayer in this house. And so I just want you to put your hands out like you're about to receive a gift. I feel like the Lord is about to give us something this morning. And so, Jesus, Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your kingdom, Lord. I thank you for your nature, and I thank you for your character, Lord. I thank you for everybody who's in this room, Lord. I thank you for everyone who's watching online, everyone who will re-listen to this message in the days to come, Lord. And I just declare that what's said, Lord, as words come forth from my heart, is that we see you. We see you in a different way. We see you in a new light. And today, again, Lord, we would encounter your presence. We would encounter your spirit um, and if there's any level in our hearts where we've been drawing from other places and other sources and other streams, that we would come back once again to you, Jesus, and see you truly as the one who's wonderful, beautiful, holy, righteous, the one who was and is and is to come, our daily bread, our true food, our true drink. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for who you are, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to share with you this morning. Um, man, this morning, God is up to something. This morning was like a little kiss from heaven. I got wrecked this week to that song, Future Past, as I was preparing for Sunday morning. And as I was listening to that song, just weeping before the Lord, I told the Lord, Lord, this song, we don't ever sing this song in church, but it's fire. It's so good. And then this morning, I didn't even tell my wife that. And this morning, they, they went into that song. And for me, my heart just started bubbling up. And I, I started knowing, Lord, you're up to something this morning. And so uh, I'm excited to bring the word to you on Independence Day. Happy July 4th. It was 245 years ago today that our founding fathers would get together in a room and say, there's not going to be anyone who tells us who or how we can worship. And we're going to sign a bill called the Declaration of Independence. And we believe it's every, 
every human's God-given rights, that they should have the pursuit to life, uh, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm so thankful for that because we get to freely lift our hands in this place and worship the Lord. There's places on the earth where you cannot do that, where you would be, you could lose your life for it. Um, but I also, I also have seen that Independence Day and the American flag and what J. Lou was talking about just a minute ago, it's, it's at the centerpiece of the table of controversy today in our nation. Um, I have many friends who the 4th of July is not a day to rally around and celebrate. It's actually a day that speaks to a lot of heartache in, in where we haven't grown as a nation. And if that's you in the room, maybe watching online, I want to acknowledge that. Um, I think this word may be beautiful for you today if you feel that way. Um, but for me, the 4th of July, Independence Day, it's more than just a day to be patriotic. It's more than just a day to go and spend more money than I should on, on fireworks. And, you know, 4th of July is the one day that every American gets to let their inner pyromaniac out and go light things on fire and blow stuff up. And we just love to play with fire. Um, but for me, it's more, than a, it's more than a day that I actually associate with America, with the United States of America. And that was be, because nine years ago today, on July 4th, it would have been the last time that I would ever get high underneath an illegal substance. Um, I had gotten saved, yeah, it's amazing. It's almost a decade ago. Um, I had gotten saved about a month and a half prior. I was a senior in high school. Uh, in May of 2012, I would get saved and I would give my life to the Lord. And about a month and a half later, it would be the 4th of July, I would go out with a group of friends that I had gone out with many times before, and we would partake of this substance. And we had done it many times before, but this time was different. See, every, every time before I had done it and, and I had come underneath a high, and, and that was kind of the end of it. But this time I did it, and instantly there was something I had never felt before, and it was the conviction of God. I felt conviction hit my heart. I felt conviction hit my life, and I looked at my friends. It was late on July 4th, and I said, I have to leave. And they're like, what's going on? And I was like, nothing. I have to leave. And I drove home, and I would go to my bedroom in my parents' house, and I would get on my knees, and I would begin to weep before the Lord. And I would begin to tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know what this feeling is. But it was empowering me to begin to repent of of just sin in my life in every place where I had not made him Lord. And I told the Lord, Lord, you can have every part of my life that day, that night. I was on my knees. Lord, you can have every part of my life. And, and I sobered up, and that night I went to bed. And the next day, July 5th, 2012, I, I would move to Dallas, Texas. Um, and then the next decade almost would lead me to this platform before you today. And so, man, I love the Lord. My journey with the Lord has been marked with with him asking me to surrender things to him. It's been marked with me um, having to re-ante up my yes. It's been marked with me having to lay things down. You know, when I first heard the gospel preached, what I heard was, man, give your life to the Lord and you'll get eternal life. Give your life to the Lord and it will be marked with beauty. Give your life to the Lord and it will be only good. And that has been true. But what I did not hear was give your life to the Lord and it's going to cost you everything. Give your life to the Lord. You're going to have to lay things down at his feet. Give your life to the Lord. You're going to have to lose your life, but you'll find true freedom. And that's what my, my decade with the Lord has been marked by. And I'm so thankful it's been marked by that. Um, so if you have your Bibles, if you'd flip open to John chapter six and on this independence day, I want to preach a message to you titled independent, no more independent, no more. And as much as I love America, I love our nation. I'm so thankful that 
My passport is an American passport. Find great pride in that. Um, you know, independence is not a theology you would find in Scripture. It's actually not a biblical mindset. It's actually not something you will ever find out of the mouths of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He will never, you'll never open the word and find him using language like be independent, walk in independence, boast in your independence. But it's actually the opposite where he calls us to a life of dependence, of dependence on him. And so I want to look at this this morning um, and we're going to end by making a public declaration of dependence unto the Lord. Independent no more. Last weekend, Larissa, if you were here, she preached a message on I exist for God. She preached an amazing message. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go listen to that podcast. But I want to take that message a step further because we do exist for God. And in that, not only do we exist for him, but we were made to be dependent on him. We were made to to receive from him, to feed on him, for our life to be centered around him. And as I've grown in history with the Lord, one of the biggest temptations I have found that the enemy has tried to mark my life with is to actually step away from dependence and begin to operate in my own gifting, to begin to operate in my own strength, to begin to strive to make my life something. And daily finding myself as history grows with the Lord, as I grow with history in the Lord, coming back to him and saying, Lord, in you and you alone do I want to be dependent. Lord, in you and you alone do I want to draw my life source from. Lord, in you and you alone do I want to find my identity. Lord, in you and you alone I want to center my life, my marriage, the way I parent. My wife and I just had our first child six months ago. I want to parent as a dependent parent. I want to look at the Lord and say, Lord, teach me to raise my daughter to know you, to love you, not to be one who's raised in church under religious and religious structure and religious weight, but teach me to raise a little girl to fall in love with you and to say, Jesus is the most wonderful thing. Teach me to parent that way. I want to center my life on dependence with the Lord. I feel in this day and hour that heaven is declaring war on consumer Christianity. I feel like heaven is declaring war on an independent mindset. And I feel like there's an invitation that's going out. If you can hear in the spirit the alarms that are being raised in heaven, and there's an invitation on that alarm that's saying, come back to true dependency on Christ. Don't be independent on your own strength. Don't find your own gifting and striving to make your own way, but come back once again to dependency on God. Did you know that the the largest thriving, the most thriving, fastest growing church in the globe is the underground church in Iran. It's thriving right now. It's the fastest growing church. And in that nation, you, can, you will actually be killed for being a Christian. You'll actually be killed for sharing the gospel. And it's the place where it, it, does, it demands dependency for the gospel to thrive, and it's thriving like no other. It's thriving faster in, in, in that nation where it's illegal than it is in America, than it is in the United Kingdom, than it is in any other nation. And I believe it's because the leaders, the Christians, they're drawing from dependency on God. They're true, truly drawing from him. Um, we, were on a, we were on a call in here. It was, it was a Tuesday prayer set, and we had a leader from the Middle East up, and he was, he was saying, Christians here are living every day as if it's their last They're preparing themselves every morning that today could be my last day. And it forces you to be dependent on God. 
but we don't like dependence. If we can be honest, we don't like dependence. We often use phrases like, like, man, I don't wanna go up to that person and talk to him because I don't wanna bother them. Um, or man, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be a burden. Come on, if you've ever used that phrase, you know it's because we don't like to be dependent. We like our own independence, um, but that's the beauty of coming and being dependent on the Lord. And I feel this morning that if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you find an area in your life where, where you know you need God, it's actually the most beautiful place you can be because he says, come to me all who hunger and all who thirst and I will give you rest. And I feel this morning as the Lord wants to give many who are restless rest in him and it's gonna be under the banner of dependence. So I wanna look at John chapter six. We're gonna start in verse 51. And I wanna give a little context before we jump in. What's happening here is Jesus has just fed thousands of people with two loaves and a couple fish. He's just, he's just fed thousands of people. It says that there's 5,000 men. Only men are recorded um, in that number, but we know there were children there because that's where Jesus would get the loaves and the fish. So we know on top of the 5,000, 5, there was also children, which mean there were probably women there. As a man, I, I'm learning that I'm not much help as a dad without my wife. And so you know that there was probably children and men. There was probably close to 10,000 people that were there that Jesus just fed. He just performed a miracle. He would then send the crowd away. Uh, he would walk on water that night. He would moonwalk across the lake. Saw what I did there. Um, and then the next morning, all of the disciples would come, his 12 plus these 10,000 plus would gather again to see Jesus. They would gather again to see this miracle worker, the one who's performing things that are supernatural that they've never seen. And it's the peak of Jesus's ministry. If you could put it in modern day, his podcast is blowing up, his church is booming, his YouTube has multiple thousands of subscribers, he's at the peak of his ministry and thousands of people are gathering to hear his words. These thousands of people that are gathering, they're not just Pharisees, they're not people from his, his random hometown, they're people who would out of their own mouth declare, I am a disciple of Jesus and they're coming to hear from him. And that's where we're gonna pick up in verse 51. It says this, he comes and he says, I am the living bread. This is the sermon he's gonna give at the climax of his ministry. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. I want to read the next eight verses to see the response of the people. 
says, therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and they walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The first half of this text that we just read, Jesus is going to liken himself to food. He's going to liken himself to the most dependent thing humans have on the planet, and it's food. Uh, We just did a 40-day fast. How many of you were a part of that 40-day fast? Man, when we start out on fast like that, I'm always so intense. I I grab my wife, and I'm like, don't don't get any groceries. Don't get any water. We're not going to eat. We're not going to drink. We're not going to sleep. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. I just start out so intense. And, you know, she looks at me and she's like, homie, I'm keeping your baby alive. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, don't get groceries for me. Just get groceries for you. And then by day one, by the end of day one, I haven't even made it 24 hours. I'm like, hey, what are you cooking for dinner? And she's like, you said not to get groceries. And I'm like, I know, but I'm hungry. Um, but you see, we're all dependent on food. And he likens himself to food. If we're honest, we plan our entire days around food. We plan our vacations around food. We plan our moments around food. We, we plan meetings around food. Uh, the other day I had a meeting with Reward and he walked in and he goes, I sat down at the table for our meeting and he, he goes, come on, let's go, let's go get food. He said, a meeting without food is an email. And I was like, you're right, let's go. So we went to go get food. And so we, we centered our leadership meeting around food. And Jesus is likening himself to food. He's saying, if, you're, if humans are supposed to be dependent beings, if I've created them dependent beings, I can pull one thing that every culture, man, woman, child, they can all relate to this one thing, and it's food. And the same way we liken, we, we set our worlds around food. We plan our lives around food. Jesus is saying, you are to plan your life around me. You are to feed on me. You're to gather around me. Plan your meetings around me. Plan your families around me. Plan your vacations around me. Come and be dependent on me. But the disciples and, and the 12, they actually have no idea what Jesus is saying. In fact, they're like, this is, this is like some Michael Jackson thriller type stuff. And we have no idea what you're saying, Jesus. And uh, I want to look at the response of the people. And I feel like there's three things that to be truly dependent on the Lord, we must surrender. Three things that I feel like in this day, in this, in this hour, on this Independence Day, the Lord is asking us to lay down, to come back to a place of dependence on Jesus. Um, like I said, we just had our first child and we had her at the end of 2020. And so in 2021, we got to do something that most people don't talk about very often. We got to write her off on our taxes. 
And so something I learned, you know, it's just a month into her being born and I'm doing our taxes and I'm like, oh, we get to, we get to put a dependent on our taxes. And what I learned was that there's certain boxes and criterias a dependent must, must meet uh, to be considered a dependent. And if you don't meet these boxes, if you don't meet this criteria, you actually would go off and be an independent where you would file your own. And I feel like there's certain boxes the Lord has put out that he's like, hey, I want you to check these boxes that you've surrendered these things to me. And so we're going to look at the response of the people. So the first one, to truly be dependent on Jesus, you must surrender your understanding. Everybody say your understanding. Look at this. This is in verse 60. Jesus gives this message about being true food and true drink. And in verse 60, it says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? What I have found is that Jesus's leadership will normally always defy your own, your understanding. That Jesus' leadership, his leadership is like no one else's leadership, and his leadership will oftentimes defy your understanding. Most of the disciples, when Jesus is teaching and preaching, they have no idea what he's saying. You read it all throughout the Gospels where they come to him in secret, and they, they say, tell us what you were saying. We don't understand what you were saying. Uh, many scholars believe that actually the reason Judas would betray Jesus is because biblically it says that they believed that the kingdom of heaven was a physical kingdom that was going to come establish itself on the earth and overthrow the Roman, the Roman government, and that that was not happening. And so Judas's response to betray Jesus was because if he could put Jesus in a situation where he would be forced to bring the kingdom, that's what he was going to do. I'm not saying that's why it happened, but many believe that's why, because he did not understand the kingdom of heaven. He did not understand Jesus's leadership. Uh, you could look at the, the children of Israel when they left from Exodus to go to the promised land. Did you know that uh, facts would say that should have only been an 11-day journey? An 11-day journey to go from, from Egypt to the promised land, yet the Lord took them on a route that would be 40 years because his leadership will oftentimes defy your understanding. I like Proverbs 3, 5. It's a, it's a verse we all know. We love to quote. We love to put on pillows and mugs. But check this out. This is Proverbs 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Keep going. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He says, lean not on your own understanding, but come and lean on me and I will direct your paths. Um, in 2015, I was a college student, um, at Christ for the Nations. I loved my time at Christ for the Nations. Christ for the Nations taught me how to have a personal relationship with the Lord, not to rely on the platform or speakers or all of these different outlets we can, but to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And when I was getting ready to graduate, this was in 2015, I had a really good relationship with some of the leadership, and the leadership had gotten me plugs with all these different churches across the nation. I had an interview to be the youth pastor in Denver, Colorado, in San Antonio. I had a couple in California. I was just interviewing all across the nation uh, to, to get hired on when I would graduate from CFNI. And I remember most of the interviews went really well. 
Most of the churches were amazing. The pastors were amazing. But for some reason in my heart, I did not feel like those outlets were supposed to be the outlets that I was supposed to take. I felt like the Lord was saying, lay down these opportunities. Lay down these interviews. Call these churches. Call these pastors and tell them, thank you for the opportunity. But I'm not going to take the job. And so I did that. And the leadership at Seif and I were kind of scratching their head. I remember having a really hard conversation where they said, we don't understand why you would do this. These are really good churches that we have really good relationships with that a lot of people would kill to be hired there. And you're just going to turn them down. And I, I looking across the table, said, I, I, I also don't understand. I feel like this is what the Lord is asking me to do. And so it's why I did it. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to go. But my sister was attending this little no-name church that had a prayer room called the Upper Room. And she said, Aaron, why don't you come to a Friday night prayer set with me? And I said, okay, I'll come to a Friday night prayer set. And so this was when we were in the old building above the vet clinic, and I would come on a Friday night. And for the first time, it was one of my first times to ever come to the Upper Room. And I was sitting in that room, and I had been on a Sunday, and at the time I didn't know who the pastor was, I didn't know the worship. Someone got up and started rapping. I think Jamie, then, Jamie Lynn would then go rap the announcements, if you remember those days. And I remember thinking, what in the world is this place? I do not like that place. And I was really offended, and I actually told my sister, I was like, hey, you need to be really careful with the upper room. You need to be really careful with that church you're going to, because it's really strange. And she's like, okay, whatever. Um, and so then she would invite me. She would say, hey, come to this Friday night prayer set. It's like, okay, it's not a Sunday service. I'll come to a Friday night prayer set. I have some things to process with the Lord anyways. And so I came to this prayer set on a Friday night. And I remember I got my journal out and I began to journal to the Lord. And I wrote this question. I wrote down, Lord, I don't understand. I wrote it down in my journal. And for the next hour, I began to worship in this Friday night prayer set. There's maybe 10 people in the room. And I felt the presence of God in a way that I had never felt his presence. And I told the Lord on this Friday night, I said, Lord, I want to be in a church just like this. I want to be in a church, just not this one, but I want to be in a church just like this. Your presence is here. Oh, I feel your presence. And uh, that was on a Friday night. The next, that was a Friday in April. The next Tuesday, I would be, I worked for the Y, the YMCA. I was an after school uh, coordinator, which was really just a glorified way to say you're going to babysit kids until parents come, come and get them. And uh, a massive storm hit Dallas, just a massive thunderstorm hit Dallas. And it was a school that was in the Oakland area. And Elissa was nannying for this family at the time, um, who was the Millers. I just didn't put two and two together. But she had been nannying for the Millers, living with the Millers. And this massive storm hit, and I called Elissa, and I said, hey, I said, there's this storm that's uh, hitting. I'm here. I'm close. Can I come ride out the storm at your nanny family's house? And she said, yeah, of course, come. She said, I'm not there. She said, but the husband is, who was Michael. And she said, you can go right out the storm. I'll text him, let him know you're coming. And I said, okay, awesome. So I go, I pull up to the house. This, again, this massive storm is hitting. I go and I knock on the door and Michael's getting ready to sit down to eat. And he says, come in, come, come have dinner with us. And so I come and sit down and pretty quickly, Larissa and the kids and Alyssa get there. We start sitting down for dinner. It's the first real conversation I ever had with the Millers. And I begin to think, wow, you guys are legit people. Like, you actually love the Lord. You know, prior I was like, the upper room is a strange place. What is going on there? Who's the pastor? Now I find myself sitting down, having dinner with the pastor. Well, long story short, by the end of dinner, I would have a job opportunity as the youth pastor here at the upper room. 
And so why do I say that? Why do I share that story? Because the one place I didn't understand, the one place I couldn't wrap my mind around was the one place the Lord said, I'm going to direct your steps there because there's something I want to teach you there. There's something about who I am that I want to teach you. But for me to do that, you need to let go of your understanding and trust my leadership. Had I not trusted his leadership today, I would not be standing in a room before my family. I would not have a wife and a baby. Maybe I would. Maybe it'd be some random, you know, world, but it was here that the Lord began to develop my life and take my roots deep in who he is. But he did it by inviting me to lay down my understanding. You know, the kingdom is an upside down kingdom. We know that. And we say that, but oftentimes when we think about the kingdom being an upside down kingdom, we think that Christianity is actually the right side up. But I have found that if you're the right side up, like if you think about it right now, I'm right side up. So my head is above my heart. But if I were to be upside down, I would actually be in the perfect position for the kingdom of God to express itself through my life because my heart would be above my head. And I have found that in the, my walk with Jesus, that if I will enter in with my heart, my head will always follow. But when I try to enter into what he's doing with my head, I get frustrated. I get offended. I can't put my mind around what he's doing. So then I just put him in a box. And before you know it, I got wonky fruit in my life. And the Lord is saying, no, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge me. And first Corinthians two, nine, it says, no, I has seen no ear has heard. We love this. No mind can conceive. No, I has seen no ear has heard. No, no mind can conceive the things that God has prepared for us. We love that. We love to think of all that he's prepared for us, all that he wants to do for us. But did you know to enter into that, it's going to cost you laying down your understanding submitting your understanding to his leadership and saying, Lord, I will trust in you. Another one is Isaiah 55, eight, verse nine. If you have that, you can throw that up there. Isaiah 55, verse eight through nine. It says, my thoughts, this is the Lord speaking. He's speaking to Isaiah and he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You have a way in your mind. If you think about it, we all have a way. I think about the promises over my life. I think about what the Lord has spoken to me, and I have a way that I can get there. I have a path that I can see before me. It's right that way, and the Lord goes, no, 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 no. Lean not on your own understanding. We're going to go the opposite way. But his leadership will oftentimes defy your understanding. Let's keep going. The next one is your offense. To truly be dependent on the Lord, it will cost you to surrender your offense. In verse 61, it says, Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. And he said to them, does this offend you? What I'm saying, does this offend you? He says, then what then if you should see the son of man ascending where he was before? He's saying there's going to be a there's going to be a storyline that plays out and I'm going to be at the center of it what he's saying. I'm going to be at the center of this storyline. And if you're offended at my words now, you're going to be offended in that day. He says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and you're being offended by them. But in verse 66, you're going to see where that offense then grows legs. And it says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. 
So again, this isn't Pharisees. These aren't just random people. They're people who out of their own mouth would have said, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Yet because of their offense, they're going to walk with him no more. It doesn't say they're going to stop believing in him. It doesn't say that they're going to stop going to church. It says they're going to walk with him no more. And what I have found is to truly live a life of dependency on the Lord, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you surrendering your offense. Um, this is what I felt like the Lord told me this week. He says, what offends you is actually exposing your independence. What offends you actually exposes your independence. It actually exposes where you're not relying on me as your source. You can find that by what offends you. This is what he does with the Pharisees. If you read scripture, anytime Jesus dialogue, we love the words Jesus says when he's preaching, but when he dialogues with the Pharisees, you're like scratching your eyes. You're like, what? Your eyes are wide. You're like, Jesus, that was really harsh. But he offends the Pharisees because they were finding independence in their own self-righteousness. And he's saying to truly be a leader in my day, to truly follow me, you must lay down. You must lay down everything and follow me. And it's going to cost you laying down your offense. You see, the Pharisees couldn't lay down their offense, and so they couldn't receive it. And if you follow Jesus with any amount of time, like if you've truly walked with Jesus, if you're in this room and you're like, I have history with the Lord, you could raise up your other hand and say, I've been offended by the Lord. If you haven't been offended by the Lord, I would question how closely you're really walking with him. Because those who walk closely with the Lord, he will offend you. He'll call things out in your life. He'll call things out that you're, so it happened this morning. Sarah Beth gets up and she begins to lead this moment and saying, Lord, I'll give you everything. Because he will expose any and all independence. And oftentimes what it will do is offend you. Um, here's an example that I feel like many of us can probably relate to. A couple, couple of weeks ago, I was coming here. I believe it was a Monday or Tuesday um, at noon. And if you've come at noontime here to the upper room to come to the prayer set, if you get here close to noon or any time after, does anybody know what you won't find outside? A parking spot. <laughs> and so I was coming and it was, a, it was a little afternoon and there was no place to park, much like it is oftentimes on Sunday mornings. And I found this open spot. Beautiful Lord, you're providing for me. Oh my goodness. So I go to whip in there and guess what it says on the wall? Reserved. And I'm like, well, I can justify why I'm parking here. So I parked there, got out of the car, got out, started going inside in our amazing, wonderful, anointed by God facilities manager, uh, director came up to me and he said, hey, bro, you can't park there. And for the next 30 minutes, I got into a dialogue with him trying to justify and explain why I could park there. And he's like, bro, you can't park there. But, but, but listen, bro, you can't park there. I'm like, and just began to explain with him. And at the end of it, we, we chose to agree to disagree. And I was like, all right, I'll go move my car. And uh, I was sitting with the Lord. I was processing with the Lord. And I was like, Lord, like, that was such a stupid conversation. Like, why is that? Why does it matter? Like, nobody was even parked there. And I heard the Lord say this. He said, well, I gave you two feet and a heartbeat, and you can walk. And I was like, ah. And so I had to come back and I had to be like, bro, we had this conversation and it was, you know, beautiful conversation and we chose to agree to disagree. It's like, I don't mean to be the guy to bring it back up, but I need to repent to you. 
because you're actually the one who the Lord has given authority to oversee our space, to oversee all of the people that are coming. The Lord's giving you a design from heaven to protect us and keep us safe and give us policies and structures in place so that it's not chaos in the place. And I undermined your authority and I need to repent to you. Why do I share that story? Because that little bitty thing with a parking spot, if it is undealt with, it's going to lead to me being bitter in this house, being bitter at our staff, and eventually leaving the church offended and walking with the Lord no more because of a little thing like a parking spot. And it's a silly thing, but there's many people who are leaving the church these days. There's many people that are leaving the faith because of little things like offenses with parking spots. And the Lord is saying, if you're going to be dependent on me. You must lay down any and all offense. You know, we see this playing out in our nation right now a lot more than we probably realize. You see it playing out with, with the gender conversation. You see it playing out with politics. Maybe even this morning when J. Lou gets up and he begins to bless Biden and call him blessed. Maybe there's a little fence that came up in your heart. But you know, scripture, everything Jesus calls us to do is a hard thing. He calls us to bless our enemies. He calls us to love those who persecute us. He calls us to live a life of forgiveness. He calls us to lay down our lives. And every single one of those things is hard to do. But many are hearing the words of Jesus and saying, that doesn't quite fit in this gender, this gender conversation. I'm going to leave the church. This doesn't quite fit in my approach I want to take with my wife. She dishonored me. I can't forgive her. But the words of Jesus will always cause you to lay down a fence. You know, we see following in our nation like a, like a button on Instagram or Twitter just to click. And the moment someone begins to post or say things that we disagree with or we don't like, you can mute, you can unfollow, you can hide. And I believe because of that, we haven't accurately defined to a generation what it looks like to follow Jesus. It looks like when you disagree, you're all in. It looks like when you don't understand, you're all in. It looks like when he says something that would begin to offend you, that you're all in. You know, Proverbs 19.11 says this. It says it's to the glory of a man to overlook an offense. It's to the glory of a man to overlook an offense. Man, in relationships in my life, people who offend me the most are usually the people that are the closest to me. And every time I get offended, I just hear the Holy Spirit whispering, here's an opportunity for glory. Overlook that offense. Because offense will always lead you to your own independence. Let's keep going. There's one more. So Jesus says, says, from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. It says, and then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? He looks at the 12. He looks at those that are followers, his apostles, his main dudes. And he says, do you want to go away too? There's the multitude. They're leaving. And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The third thing that you must surrender to follow Jesus is your options. It's your options. To whom should we go? To whom else would we go? Where would we go, Jesus? You know, when Jesus calls the disciples, he says, go and leave 
everything and follow me. He, he would say it in Matthew 11 to the rich young ruler. He would come to him and he would say, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. And he says, well, I've kept them all. What else must I do? He says, okay, go sell all that you have. Come and follow me. And he goes away sorrowful because he can't lay down his other options, his other things. He can't leave everything to follow Jesus. I love the Passion Translation says, only you. Peter would look at Jesus and say, only you give eternal life. And I believe Peter had no idea what Jesus was saying, if I'm honest. I think Jesus is saying this, my, my, my flesh is true food indeed. My blood is true drink indeed. And I think Peter's sitting there and he's kind of turning his head sideways thinking, are you talking about cannibalism, Jesus? What is it? I think he had no idea what Jesus was saying. I think Peter was a little bit offended by what he was saying. I think Peter, if he could call Jesus to the side, would be like, Jesus, I wouldn't pre preach messages like that again because you're following. Did you see the people? Like, so let me give you a five-step plan. That's, that, that message has got to go. Like, I think Peter didn't understand and he was a little offended, but he had no other options. He had nowhere to go. He had left everything to follow Jesus. You know, I told that story about on July 4th, I would, I would get down on my knees and I would tell the Lord, Lord, you can have everything. You can have everything. And I knew that if I were to stay in the town that I grew up in, if I were to stay in the same friend group, if I were to stay around the same people, I wasn't rooted enough in this book. I didn't have a, a, a church mentor who was pastoring me, who could have led me in the right way. I didn't know what to do. All I knew was I wanted to give Jesus everything. And to do that, I had to lay down every other, every other option. So what I did was the next morning I packed up and I moved six hours to the city. My, my sister was here. She was attending school. I knew nobody in this city but her. But I knew, Lord, if I can get rid of every other option, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this promise I'm making to you that you can have it all, I can keep it. Maybe if I can eliminate other options, have nowhere else to go. You know, but as I've grown in history with the Lord, where I've made other things an option is where I drink from, where I get my source from. You know, my, the first year of our marriage was, was amazing. It was, a, it was an amazing first year of our marriage. Oftentimes people say the first year of marriage is the hardest. And we chose as a couple that we weren't going to receive that word and that our first year was going to be an amazing year. And it was for the two of us. <laughs> But for me personally, that first year of marriage exposed in me, exposed in my life where I had a deep, deep wound of rejection, a deep wound. Um, and I would try to draw on Sarah Beth every day for, for that wound to be, to be quenched, for that wound to be touched, for that wound to be healed. I would say, I would ask for affirmation. I would ask for her to, you know, just different things for her to speak to that thing so I wouldn't feel rejected. I would try to latch on to her. And when that didn't work, I would go to mentors and I would go to different people in my life who were pastors and I would be like, affirm me, give me opportunities, give me all of these things to scratch this wound of rejection. When that didn't work, I would put on a podcast and I would begin to listen to other people talk about how they got free from rejection. And I was finding all of these different sources to be what would scratch this wound in my heart. And, and none, of those, none of those sources were scratching that wound. And so I came to the Lord. It was the only other place I had to go. And I said, Lord, I need you. I need you. And I felt like the Lord said the most simple thing to me. He said, read your Bible plan. And I was like, what? 
Just felt that in my spirit. Read your Bible plan. And at the time, I was reading First uh, Peter. I was in First Peter, and I had just read chapter one the day before. And the next chapter would be First Peter chapter two. And can we put First Peter chapter two, verse four up? Check this out. I was just struggling with rejection. I knew it was rejection. And when I got to First Peter chapter four, I saw this. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. And I read that phrase and something happened in my heart. My heart began to be liberated. I was on, I was on our bedroom floor. I was home alone and I just began to weep. And I felt like the Lord said, I know what it feels like to be rejected. I know what it feels like to be rejected. See, in that moment, he didn't say, you're not rejected. In that moment, he didn't try to tell me, don't feel the way you feel. The Lord said, let me have some empathy with you, Aaron. I know what it feels like to be rejected. But let me tell you the flip side of that. You're chosen by God. You're chosen by God. And for me, something happened to me that day that I was in that carpet. I was on my knees. I was weeping. Tears were going on that floor. I was developing history with the Lord, and I was realizing, oh, you're my only source. You're the only one who can speak to the things in my heart. You're the only one who can lead me in my marriage to be a husband. You're the only one. And that's what Peter says. Only you, Lord, have the words of life. Where else would I go? I have no other options because only you have the words of life. You know, the Psalms are threaded with David making this declaration. In you, I put my trust. In you, I put my trust. It's almost as if, as if he's closing his eyes in the midst of wanting to put trust in other things and saying, no, 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 I'm going to realign. In you, I put my trust. In you, I put my trust. I want to land and end by looking at Psalm 103. Because we started singing that this morning. I'll forget not your benefits. I'll forget not your benefits. Do you know what his benefits are? Sarah Beth started to sing some of those. Look at this. But can we put up Psalms 103, verse 3? It says this. It says, who forgives? Go back one. Psalms 103, verse 2. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It's going to list them. In verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities? Did you know that only Jesus can forgive you of your sins? If I were to say, here's some of my blood. Wash, wash yourself in it. Your sins will not be washed away. That would just be weird. CNN, breaking news, pastor goes crazy. But he forgives all your sins. Only Jesus can wash you white as snow in his blood. Only Jesus, the next one who heals all your diseases. Listen, you can go get a word from a doctor. You can go get on a therapy plan. But when Jesus walks into the room, when you come to Jesus with your sickness, with your disease, with your injuries, only Jesus can heal all your diseases. Keep going. Who redeems your life from destruction? I don't know if you're in this room and your life feels as if it's in destruction. Other translation says he redeems your life from the pit. You know, when you feel like you're in, your, you're in a pit, you're like, man, I'm stuck in this thing. There's no way out. Only Jesus's leadership can lead you out. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. You can go on, but only Jesus is the point. Only Jesus Oscar, if you want to come back up, you know, dependency on God means he's our only source and to truly be dependent on the Lord. I've learned and I have seen that it requires you 
to surrender your understanding, to lay down your offense, and to say, Lord, there are no other options. You are my only option. You know, as I was studying, as I was listening out to other pastors and other sermons on dependence, I found a theme that a lot of times what, what, it's, what people will lead other people into is we'll do this different or do that different. Well, if you do this different, and what I have found as I've been looking at this text and dialoguing with the Lord, that dependence is actually a lot less about what you can do different, and it's a lot more about what you can just not do, what you can just rest in, where you can just let go, where you can lean back, and you can let him lead. You know, Scripture says he's our daily bread. He's our inheritance. He's our prize and our portion. He's the field, and he's the treasure in it. He's the pearl of great prize. He's the oil and he's the fire. He's the one we're supposed to have faith for and he's the one who gives the faith. He's our prince of peace. He's our provider. He's our banner. He's our healer. This is what Peter is saying here. Lord, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm kind of offended by it, but only you have the words of eternal life. I want to land today by taking communion together. If you don't have communion, would you lift your hand? And we're going to have someone pass it out to you. You know, if dependency on God is the goal, our weakness is actually to our advantage. I'm going to say that again. If dependency on God is the goal, our weakness is actually to our advantage. I think about areas in my life where I'm weak. Think about areas in my life. Man, if you lead anything, if you become a leader of anything big or small, you quickly realize how weak you are. You quickly realize how, how much you need the Lord. But what I have found, you know, the temptation can be to wrestle yourselves out of your own weaknesses. But if I can just boast in those weaknesses, I give him permission to be strong. An Independence Day, July 4th, it's a, it's a day where America as a whole makes a public declaration of our independence. And I thought about how powerful would it be that if together we made a public declaration of our dependence, of where we're dependent on God, for we're going to come back to him again. I don't know if you're in this room and you have a situation that you don't understand. There's probably several of you who do. But today, to bring that understanding to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm going to be upside down and with my heart, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm not going to lean on my understanding, but I'm going to be dependent on you again today. Maybe you're in this room and you're offended. Maybe you're offended by a spouse, a friend. Maybe you're offended because you couldn't find a parking spot when you got here. But listen, there's an opportunity to surrender that offense to the Lord again and say, Lord, I will be dependent on you. I'll be dependent on you, Jesus. Can let go of this offense. Whoever wronged you, whoever did something to you that was not right, you can surrender that today. And maybe you're following Jesus, but you're following with him with an arm's length away. And you have other options. You have other plans in case things go wrong. You know, I think if anything exposed in the church, if COVID exposed anything in the church, it was those who were living with options. I think you see two things that happen. Those who 
were all in and those who weren't. And I feel like today's an opportunity to say, Lord, I'm burning every other bridge. I'm laying down every other option. I'm putting all my chips in the basket of you once again. Maybe you'll have to do it again tomorrow. Maybe you'll have to do it again a decade from now. Maybe you'll have to do it again in the next season. But today saying, Lord, there's no other options. Only you have the words of life. So can we stand together? If you'll take the bread. You know, Jesus says, my flesh is true food indeed. Lord, we declare that your flesh is true food indeed. You, Jesus, are true food indeed. You, Lord, are true food indeed. Lord, teach us to be dependent on this food. Lord, where you keep us hungry for this food, you keep us hungry for the bread of you, Jesus. Lord, I just declare over everyone in this room who they feel like they haven't had a hunger for you. They haven't had a hunger for your word. They haven't had a hunger for your presence, Lord, as we partake of this today, Lord, that it would be a prophetic act of saying, Lord, give me hunger again for your word. Give me hunger for you again, Jesus, to know that you are true food indeed. Only you, you and you alone are true food indeed. Lord, that I would center my life around this meal. I would center my marriage around this meal. Lord, I would take my understanding and I would submit it to this meal. Lord, that your body broken for us was the greatest offense that would ever happen on this earth. I can submit my offenses. I can submit those places where I've been wronged underneath this mill, underneath your body, declaring I'm truly dependent on you. I'm dependent on you, Jesus. Without you, I don't have the words of life. Without you, Jesus, we don't have your presence. Without you, Jesus, I can't be a faithful husband. Without you, Jesus, I will not raise a daughter to love you. Without you, Jesus, oh, I'll just end up again in a pit. So I thank you, Lord, that there's true food indeed today. And it's your body. Lord, in our weakness that we could lean on your body. Lord, if it's in our weakness that you're strong, help us to boast in those places that are shortcomings, that, are, that seem far from your grace. Help us boast in those places, inviting you to be strong. Lord, on this Independence Day, saying I'm dependent on the one who's strong. I'm dependent in my weakness on you, Jesus. Oh, and when we get it wrong, Lord, that we would repent. We would come back to you. We would turn back to the way of you. You are the way. This mill is the way. In Jesus' name, you can take the bread. You'll take the blood. You know, I really feel this one strongly today that if you're in sin in this room, that this that you're holding in your hand is sufficient for you. Maybe you sinned this morning. Maybe you sinned last night. Maybe you're planning on sinning tonight. This blood is sufficient for you. This blood is enough. Oh, his blood is enough. His blood is enough. His blood is more than enough. 
Oh, Lord, as we partake of your blood, Lord, as we partake of this true drink, Lord, it gives life to the body that we just ate. Lord, let it remind us how we're truly nothing without your blood. Lord, without your blood, we would still be sprinkled with sin. We'd still be covered in filth. We'd still be far from you. But this blood, Lord, oh, is enough. It's sufficient for us. It's sufficient for every marriage in the room. It's sufficient for every child in the room. It's sufficient for every father in the room. It's sufficient for every mother in the room. It's sufficient for every bank account in the room. It's sufficient for everything in the room, every place of offense, every pit we could be in. Oh, your blood, Jesus. Oh, it's the only option. Lord, we can't afford to not partake of your blood. We can't afford to not center our lives on this mill, on your blood, on your body. Lord, I just declare that as we partake of this, it would be more than words. It would be more than a sermon. Oh, but the Spirit of God would begin to come, Lord, like with a rag and begin to wash people in the room in your blood. Lord, that it would empower, it would provoke, it would convict, it would lead it would wash, it would reveal, it would speak to you, King Jesus, the only one, oh, who's capable of us being dependent upon. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for every person in the room who has years of history with you. That today, Lord, this word would just be another reminder of the simple truth that I was created, that I exist for you and to be dependent on you and your blood. In Jesus' name, you can take the blood. If Abby and Eniola, Sir Bethy, I want to hop back up. If the, we have a ministry team, I want to invite the ministry team up. I felt today in the room that there were several who there's things in your life that there's just, you, you can't quite put your understanding around that you've tried and it's left you frustrated. It's left you, you just haven't been able to put your, your understanding around. And I feel like the Lord is asking for those things. Maybe for some it's an offense. Maybe for some it's other options, but I want to go back into the song just as we land that we were singing in, that we are singing unto. And I want to invite us to respond to this, to respond to the Lord. And then if you're here with your family, to, to pray together with your family, to pray this prayer together as a family that as for me and my house, it's what Joshua says. He says, choose for you this day who you'll serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice to be dependent upon the Lord. And I feel like there's, there's, there's a grace today for families to say as a family, what does it look like to be dependent on the Lord? As a family, what does it look like as a couple? What does it look like to parent as dependent parents? Maybe as singles, maybe you're single in here and you're, you're ready for a spouse or you're ready for breakthrough. You're ready for your destiny to come forth. Listen, I get it. But to surrender that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm truly dependent on you. I'm dependent on you today, Jesus. So can we all stand again together? I want to invite you to stand. As these guys sing, we're just going to go out singing this song together. So Jesus, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that only you are true food and true drink. 
In Jesus' name.